Greetings, Sits and Sivs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 33 and was recorded live on August 9th and made available for download August 12th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's school box, we talk about practicing for NASA's next manned mission. We're going to try something a little different in this week's CRG news, but we will still bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in-universe fiction, Ten for the Chairman, episodes 30 and 31, the latest news on Arena Commander, and the next two episodes of Around the Verse. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we tell you all how to go about capturing the core. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sis, we're always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got the creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we do look great on a CV or a resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. After six months of clockwork releases, more or less accepting vacations, uh, trips to Austin and L.A., and an upcoming trip to Manchester, we're finally confident enough to set that hat on the sidewalk and uh, plan on you guys dropping something in it course we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week for free but it's nice to get the occasional reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it we thank the folks who've already chipped in and hope that you can make a regular contribution the more support we get the better show we can make and that takes care of all the housekeeping so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the school box do you boys need a carrier out here uh everything's under control situation normal This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. So, things aren't so warm and fuzzy between the United States and the only country on Earth capable of manned spaceflight these days. Makes it a bit awkward when you got a bummer ride into low Earth orbit right after you sort of kind of <coughs> accuse people of being complicit and downing a civilian earlier. <coughs> but hey, 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 easy, easy, we're working on it. To wit, the USS Anchorage, working off the California coast, just wrapped up four days of training exercises. The crew of the amphibious transport vessel was putting their spacecraft retrieval systems through their paces. NASA's next-generation crew capsule, the Orion, is taking a page from the Apollo program and will be performing its routine landing operations not on land. Nothing succeeds like success, right? The crew practiced with both the ship's primary recovery winch and a backup crane system that should enable the ship to recover a capsule in a variety of sea conditions. Also, there are eight other ships of the San Antonio class that could be fitted and trained for the same mission. So in true NASA style, there are redundancies for the redundancies. The real deal will come in December when an unmanned Orion capsule will be launched to a height of 3,600 miles. For those of you keeping score at home, the ISS typically orbits at about 260 miles, communication satellites in geosynchronous orbit run about 25,000 miles, and the moon orbits at around 240,000 miles. So it's going to come down a bit hotter than a Soyuz, but not so hot as a moonshot or a deorbiting satellite. With space planes landing on runways and Dragon capsules retro-thrusting to gentle touchdowns, what's the deal with the retro angle on Orion recoveries? 
larger margin of error, higher landing speeds, heavier capsule, something all of the above, whatever. Who cares? Just hurry up. By the time the USS Anchorage or her sisters pluck a crude Orion from the drink, ten years will have passed between NASA manned missions. It's still seven years away, and I'm already antsy. About time. Mm. Yeah, really. Well, I really think that the private space sector will have a great deal of influence on our exploration into space. However, that being said, as an American and as a, a citizen of the world, let's put it that way, that we need to go forth as a representative of you know, the planet and that uh, government should get together and fund our first landing on Mars. Well, the Orion's sort of designed for that. I mean, the, the routine stuff, there's, I guess, sort of a movement away from expecting NASA to handle the cargo transfers and the routine shuttling of people to and fro. You know, the private market may be able to handle that. I think the, I mean, the Orion is built to go deeper and farther and sort of take those risks and do those things that a private company just, you know, there wouldn't be any profit in it. It's good. I mean, it's about time. The shuttle wasn't going to do anything except haul people into low Earth orbit. It's good that the Orion's going to well, go deeper and farther. It's funny you should actually say that, but the, the shuttle was actually designed to be refueled in space and to continue on to moon. They were actually thinking about doing a moon base at one time where they could land and take off the shuttle because they could refuel from the resources they gathered from the moon. I did not know that. My dad worked at Canaveral. Hmm. That's definitely worthy of a the more you know. The one thing that we can look at, though, you know, going by what history has already taught us, is that if there's one thing that is actually good for space exploration, it is a good Cold War between the U.S. and Russia. <laughs> you know what's so true, boy. You know, unless we have somebody to race against, I mean, we're just we just don't care. China doesn't seem to be, you know, keeping up real well. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. Our crowdfunding update for August 9th, 49436000 Wow, that's a lot of money. So I guess the M50 is like a thing now. It's like popular and cool. I mean, totally lame stream now. I mean, I, I bought the M50 before everybody else got it. I mean, I, I knew it was, you know, I knew it was a thing a long time ago. I might have to get rid of it now, now that it's so popular. Sorry, where was I? I was Hipsterville, that's where I live. And we've got about 517,000 citizens out there now. We are well on our way to 600,000. Who knows how big that number's going to get. Sits and Sips, as you all know, every week we come to you through the magic of podcasting and bring you a roundup of all the news from the RSI website. And each week we usually briefly discuss every single item. A lot of you have written to us and said that you feel like some of the better discussion has ended up being left on the cutting room floor. We here at Guard Frequency are always keen to improve. And so this week we're going to try something a little bit different. Instead of reading to you every piece from the RSI website, we're going to take a few of the bigger stories to come out of CIG and discuss the highs and lows, pour over the minutia, and bring you our opinion on what this means for the game as a whole. Don't worry, we'll still bring you a complete list of all the CIG news at the end of the segment, so you won't be missing out on anything, uh, should you only listen to our podcast just you know, hear what's going on and don't really care what we think. And let's face it, who could blame you for that, really? To start things off, we have a letter from the chairman for hitting that $49 million mark. In the latest letter, as well as unlocking the $49 million goal and getting our space plants, Chris tells us that they're trying something different for the $51 million stretch goal. Instead of offering more shinies or new features, we're going to steer the production schedule and say what feature we would like next. 
major push will come from Turbulent, and we get to choose from A, Organization Drop 2, featuring divisions, jobs, and a 3D org browser. B, Organization Drop 3, bringing private forums for each organization. C, The Galactopedia. D, Web Scoreboards for Arena Commander. Or E, Interactive Known Universe Map. Ooh. Ooh. All right, boys. So there's two things going on here. Number one, which is your favorite. Number two, is this the thing to do with the stretch goals now? Lennon, go. Yeah, um, I, I'm i quite liking this, actually. I mean, all these features are going to come. It's just we get to pick what we want to come before the rest, which for those of you who happen to listen to Galactic Inquiry Episode 7, which me and Tony That's were on That's why debating. I started with you. Sorry, Jeff. I just wanted Lennon yeah. to plug it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, that's cool. Um, for those of you who haven't listened to it, me and Tony were guests on Galactic Inquiry. We were debating pretty much this exact topic about stretch goals. And one of the things that I said on there was that I think we should stop focusing on the individual rewards that then have to be created. And this actually answers my point of view on that, in that everything that's promised in this next stretch goal, we know is already coming in some form. And we just get to choose what actually comes up next. So I think this is, yeah, this is the best of both worlds. We still get some say in the game development. It gives us something to strive for. And we're not adding new features that may not ever actually see the light of day. What do you say, Jeff? Well, I'm kind of uh, split down the middle on this. I feel like kind of cheated in one aspect because all of these items should be coming into the game fairly soon and should not rely on a stretch goal. However, our stretch goal should reward us with something that we could useful in the in the current setup that we have. So, like I said, I'm kind of wishy-washy on this one. Sorry. Usually I'm one-minded. Well, no, I think I understand where you're coming from. I mean, the idea is that uh, these should be on somebody's schedule somewhere, and you would hope that someone has made an internal decision as far as dependencies. Like, we need X before Y, because if we don't have components from X, this part of Y won't function. I guess that these things are independent enough that it doesn't matter. These are, like, all on separate or parallel tracks that they don't have dependencies on each other, that you need one before the other. And I guess that's great, but I mean, I'd hope that they'd have this figured out <laughs> internally before the, uh, instead of turning it loose on us. On the other hand, I got to agree with Lennon. I mean, you know, the space plants and the towels, I'm sure, were on the list of things that could be done eventually anyway, and they just slotted them in as, as stretch goal rewards, just, you know, for the purpose of having stress goals. I'm glad we stopped doing that. I would, I would hope that they would have a, a better strategy for putting the different features in in an order that suits their own internal development needs. But I guess these things are stuff that just doesn't matter, which also makes me a little sad. I mean, these are just sort of like bits and pieces that we they're going to bolt on, not hardcore development. Teams. Well, you, you say that, but I mean, there's one item on there, the web scoreboards for Arena Commander, which... When you first read it and hear it, it just sounds like, you know, it's a web scoreboard. Why would anybody want that? But when you actually think of the tech that is involved, it's going to have to grab live data from the game. So that's actually a, a major thing to be able to get the connectivity from external to internal. So if you are, for example, um, like an app developer or you want to do something a bit like Stowe's Gateway, then they need to have that technology in place in order to do that. So I think that that's actually a bit of a, a hidden agenda behind 
to put that one on there is that it has the attraction of everybody can brag, oh, I've got more scores than you in Arena Commander. But I think that that's actually on there for the tech behind it, not necessarily for the end goal. On well, that you could say that for all the rest of it, too. The interactive known universe map, I mean, that's going to have a lot to do with navigation and the economy for, you know, where do you have to haul stuff if you need to go to, for, to this system? What jump points you're going to have to navigate? Uh, you know, the Galactopedia, I mean, that's going to be the history, right? If people want to, like, discover jump points and things like that, they're going to have to have some sort of way to verify that you're the guy that discovered that jump point. I, I mean, I, I guess that's fine. It helps us get into the development a little more, but it's it's not quite the PR touchy-feely thing that I would have taken with them, as I said in Galactic Inquiry last week. I would have liked them to have been more like, here's some physical things we need. Here's some back-end stuff that we've got to sort out. Here's some nuts and bolts that we need to do. These are more like fluffy things that are on the side, and we can do it whenever we want to. So it's a, it's maybe it's a compromise. It's a compromise, let's say. Yeah, it could just be testing the water sure. to see if the people respond favorably sure. to it. You know, it may suck, and they may just go and do something different next time. But we'll see. It's all a work in progress. Next up, 10 for the Chairman, Episodes 31 and 32, where Chris takes 10 questions from the subscribers and gives us the answers we're all longing to hear. In Episode 31, Chris talks about the phases of the game, specifically what determines a pre-alpha, alpha, and beta builds. Chris says that alpha is a feature complete but missing content, mission, planets, etc. Beta is a feature complete and content complete, just looking for bugs and that pre-alpha is trying chunks or modules of the game, such as Arena Commander. So, is the feature complete truly an alpha? Now, see, I, I take exception to this, really, because, in my opinion, if an alpha is feature complete, that would indicate that no new features are going to be added before the release of the game, you know, because they've said alpha is feature complete, beta is feature complete. So I guess with the pre-alpha, we're testing out the little chunks like the hangar module and the dogfighting module and the FPS module. And it's only when they all come together that it's then going to be feature complete. But I, d I don't know, I just think that locks them in a little too tight. And that's not really what the alpha beta cycle is for, in my well, opinion. Well, I'm, I'm kind of old school. Alpha to me means that it's a work in progress and a work in progress it has no feature completeness to it, no real content. It's just a bunch of code that you're all trying to fly around in. Any alpha is just a working bit of code that other people can play. You cobbled this thing together and you put it out there for a group of people to hammer on, basically. It's, it's semantics. I mean, hell, Gmail is in beta for a decade. I mean, it's just, you know, when when do you want to call it enough? And since there's been a lot of talk around about feature creep and promising too much and we're always adding more things to the game, when are you going to stop? I mean, I think that CIG's just decided to, we're going to define our alpha as feature complete. So when we have all the little chunks put together and we're, we're not going to add any more little chunks, this number of little chunks, and that's all the chunks we're going to make. When all of those chunks are functional and have been tested and released to our backers, we'll call it alpha. I, I don't right. think that this is a good analogy. I'm I'm sorry, Chris. I think you're the game god of space sims, but I think your definitions are way off base. Remember that a lot of what CIG is doing is PR. They are uniquely among game publishers and game developers in control of their message. And we've had listeners complain oh, yeah. about that, and we've talked about it extensively. And so what they've decided is that we're going to define it this way. MMOs, they're like, I guess they could be in permanent beta because they're always adding features. They're always testing new stuff. They're always putting in new content. They're never out of beta, I guess, right? Well, no, not really because they have a launch date and this is the day they're, quote, open for business or whatever. 
they've just decided that, look, we're going to call this this, and you'll know when we're in alpha when this happens, you know, and you'll know that we're in beta when this happens. And we're just going to define that for ourselves because they're redefining what it means to publish a game. They really are in a lot of ways. So they've just decided that they're going to call it these things. And it would not surprise me to see the next group of crowdfunding games, whatever they are, adopt these same standards as long as Star Citizen actually succeeds. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is that, like you were saying, they are pioneering this method and they've got so much riding on their shoulders because uh, you say to succeed, you know, it's, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. They're not allowed to just not fail. They have to succeed because everything that they're doing is just so revolutionary. Everything from the production model to the crowdfunding to the truly open development, they've got so much riding on them that if they don't fail, you know, but they don't succeed either, it's just going to completely ruin this model for any future games because it will always be used as the example that didn't make it. You know, again, regardless of not failing, they need to succeed. In episode 32, Chris says that the Persistent Universe team haven't quite figured out how the entire here, you fly my ship thing really works. For example, if someone flies to the other side of the verse and then quits the game never to be seen again, what happens to your ship? So how do you think we solve this problem? Hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing. We're building the game, so we might as well take a crack at this as well. Absolutely. After they put our manufacturable uh, capital ships in, uh, they'll need to work on this problem. So, Lennon, how we solve that? There was a couple of things that Chris brought up. You know, could it just reappear back in your hangar? Um, I think it would be cool to kind of have to go on a rescue mission, and it would probably discourage you from renting out too many ships again. But I like the risk versus reward nature of the whole thing. Well, I don't like the risk in this case. I would more like to see something like a transponder going on after a certain amount of time it could be a game day a game week a game month and that transponder is keyed to you because you're the owner of the ship and then you have to get a transport uh, some kind of fast transport to go pick up your ship brace yourselves guys the lawyer has an answer the lawyer has a solution you ready i'm strapped in power of attorney if you are going to go on vacation or be out of the country Uh, or unavailable somehow you give someone a power of attorney. If you're going to go, like, die or be incapacitated permanently, you give a durable power of attorney, which lasts for as long as it needs to last. But a lot of people will give a power of attorney with an expiration date. So you basically empower your buddy for seven days, ten days, one day, two days, whatever you want to do, and you say, there you go, get it to get it to there within this allotted amount of time, and then his rights expire. And that's when Jeff's transponder goes off. And that's when you can locate your ship again. You said the, the tra- you get a message somehow via your, your Moby Glass that your ship is located here. Go get it. And then you can put a job on the jobs board or you can you have go. your friend fly you to the place where it's at. Power of attorney. But basically just base it on current modern-day pro- problem, problem solved. solved. Problem solved. Yeah. Right here. I love the game we're I building. I do, too. Around the Verse, Episodes 8 and 9 have been released, showing us the best from the Star Citizen community and bringing us one step closer to the folks making the game. The big news to come out of the Round the Verse, of course, it has been the sneak peeks of the Constellation variants and the Retaliator. Alright, so let's let's take a quick tour here. Uh, we have the Taurus, the Andromeda, the Aquila, and the Phoenix. Now, it looks like, if unless I'm very greatly mistaken, the redesign has already sort of happened, so the, the P-52 is no longer launched from the ventral side. Looks like they have managed to move that out because i don't see any indications that the the p52 is still down there looks more yeah. rounded cargo-y all right boys out of them which one do you like the best looks of the best on the outside phoenix for me phoenix phoenix, phoenix. That, that one bears the strongest resemblance to the constellation that they have in there currently i do like the aquila only for has... the front nose 
That's the one I was going to go with. With the white mm. screen and stuff. Um, I really like that look, but I like the color and the sleekness of the uh, Phoenix. I'm going to have to go with the Aquila. I, I think uh, that one's the one that uh, is sort of my favorite. The Aquila does remind me very much of like the big brother to the Aurora. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's something about the shape of the front that just, yeah. you can tell that it's the same manufacturer. Yeah, I think that they they had that you know that, that aesthetic in mind when they were putting that together. The Taurus just looks like the hauler. From top to bottom then, so the Taurus, the Andromeda, the Aquila, and the Phoenix. What do you actually see these being used for? Taurus is a cargo hauler. Aquila is okay. a explorer. It looks more like it's uh, designed to do exploration. I think um, the Andromeda mm -hmm. and, and the Phoenix are very close and similar purpose. I'm going to say that the Andromeda is probably a information transporter, and that's why it's bristling with some of that armament there. And the Phoenix is uh, more okay. of a military responder. I like it. I like your analysis. I'm going to sign on to it. I think the Taurus is going to be the, the cheapo no-frills option. So, yeah, probably best suited to cargo haulers and that sort of thing. The Aquila, yeah, I would go for longer range exploration type stuff. Phoenix is clearly a military vessel. Andromeda, I'm going to say border control. Hmm. Okay. What's the difference between the border control and the military? Well, the, the military is more of a, you've got to go in and support the troops. It will be frontline fighting. The border control, I would say, is more like standing guard at jump points, almost like customs, that type of thing. You know, now that I'm taking another look at it, I'm going to change mine just a bit. I'm going to go with Lenin's Andromeda as the sort of border control thing. I'm going to change my Phoenix to a uh, cushy ride. <laughs> you I'm going to change it. This is the cushy one. They're trying to get with the luxury folks. Because it looks to me like the top of the uh, back end of it, it looks like those are maybe windows. It looks to me like maybe those are transparent. They are transparent. Yeah. But look at the armor all around those engines, though. Oh, my God. This thing could take a beating and still come out. I don't see any guns in those back turrets. I don't see any weapons on them. Yeah, I don't see any weapons on any of them, though. No, I guess that's true. Well, there's we definitely weapons definitely. in the front. Yeah, there's weapons in the front. I guess there's no we there's no weapons on all of them. But I, I'm gonna go. I'm going. I'm going luxury. That's the luxury variant. Well, they're all looking good, and I can't wait to mm -hmm. pick one to put in my hangar. But, Me uh, too. Yeah, looking good. Cool. And you guys saw the retaliator tease at the yeah, end of Around the yeah, Verse, yeah? Uh, with the animation. Oh, it's so annoying. They need to show us more. I know, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they do need to show us more. Okay, well, another month has passed, and so we get another monthly report. And in this report, we hear from each of the major studios involved in the creation of Star Citizen, including the CIG Studios at Austin and Santa Monica, section from Aaron Roberts of Foundry 42, the systems guys over at Turbulent, the team of Behavior, and the Redacted team Phonic. working on the... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, coffee. Sorry, coffee you, you okay there? Oh, okay. That's, you, should, you should probably go to the doctor uh, about this cough. It came up in Squawk Box yeah. about a civilian airliner yeah. cough. Oh, you know, it's, it's bad. <laughs> Excuse me. And the AI programmers at Moon Collider. These reports go into an incredible amount of detail, so we highly encourage you to go and check them out for yourself over at the RSI website. So, guys, having taken time to look into the monthly report, uh, how do you feel the game is coming along? Do you feel it's on track, or do you think we're going to see slippage on the deadlines for the various bits and pieces? You know, bear in mind, we're supposed to be seeing a Squadron 42 game by the end of the year and Star Citizen next year. What's your thoughts? Well, on? if Squadron 42 is alpha, then we're on track. 
using Chris's terms, Squadron 42 is going to come out in episode content, which means that it's yes. not all going to be there at release, which means according to Chris's comments, this is <laughs> alpha. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Right. Exactly. It's feature complete, just it's not, not content right. complete. complete. That's right. The Squadron 42 will be in alpha. You're right. Yep. Absolutely. It's got all the features, but just not all the content. That's correct. There you go. All right. Just drop the mic, Jeff. Done. Discussion over. And now it's time for two weeks' worth of... News We Didn't Use! Orbital Supermax, Episode 6, where too much of a good thing, such as nitrogen, can actually be bad for you. And not forgetting Episode 5, where creepy corridors and cannibals are the order of the day. To celebrate the M50, you could win a SciTech X55 Rhino and play seat flight chair. There's news of a new origin ship codenamed Goldfinch on this week's Kaizen. Digital plagues and computer viruses prove Willop sensors to be king of this week's Galactic Guide. The ship spec pages and the pledge store have been given a long-deserved upgrade. The Origin M50 is now available for all of your hangers. We get given another look at the immense talent in the verse with fan spotlight fan videos too. The Congress archives are opened up with Congress Now, mediation of Sharon 3. You can grab yourself some free posters for your hangar over on the RSI website. And we're introduced to the Relay system with another entry in the Galactic Guide. Of course, we can't forget this week's community question. What are your initial thoughts on our new CIG News format? Anything you do to change it? Should we just forget the whole thing and jettison it out the nearest airlock? Let us know by commenting on this week's show post on guardfrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread on robertspaceindustries.com. And now that you're up to date, let's learn absolutely... Whoa, 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 Hang on. So that's it? I'll be forgetting something. No, I can't. Community question. Let's see. I think you're good. Did all the news... I mean, yeah. Well, with this with this new news format, though, guys, seriously, where the f- is the where the f- is the Avenger mission pack segment going to go? I guess it can go here. Yeah, good a place as any. So, Jeff, what have you well, been up to this week? It's kind of interesting. I've done very little gaming wise. I've been keeping abreast of what's going on in the Robert Space Industry, of course. But frankly, I've been really, really bored game wise, and so I've uh, been playing with my media files. That's not a euphemism, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. I just know what you're like for clicking those links that we get in the feedback <laughs> section every now and then. So I just wanted to make sure. Uh, Tony, what about you? What have you well, been doing? Well, I have nothing quite as exciting as playing with my media files. But uh, no, I, uh, I have, I've been kind of doing some mobile gaming. I, uh, I finished Star Command. Uh, I got that app like okay. a long time ago and sort of like when I got boarded. I got boarded by zombies or something, and I didn't like that, so I just kind of quit it. But then I went back just this week and sort of finished it up. And a free game came out uh, from an old, like, choose-your-own-adventure series that I loved when I was a kid, a Lone Wolf by an, a guy named Joe Devers. So he ported it into a, uh Android app, and so I downloaded that. It was free, and so uh, I took that for a spin. It was kind of fun. Mobile gaming, that's what I've been doing. Now that the latest updates from CRG News are done, let's go and learn all about the latest game mode for Arena Commander called Capture the Core in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, Sits and Sivs, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the illuminated details from the inside out. A warning up front, though, this game is still in active development, so anything we say is subject to change. This week, we're going to discuss the new hotness that is Capture the Core. 
So, Capture the Core is based on a staple of first-person shooter games called Capture the Flag. Each team starts off in their own base, which houses a flag. The general goal is to get to the opposing team's base, pick up the flag, and bring it back to their base for honor, glory, and most importantly, points. All whilst the enemy are trying to do the same. Get the general idea? Good. Now take that same idea, but put the players in spaceships and have them capture energy cores instead of flags, and what do you know, you're playing Capture the Core. In case getting the opportunity to blow your opposing teammates out of the sky whilst fighting for glory, honor with a U, and points wasn't enough to lure you in, there are a few additional rules to make gameplay more competitive and objective-based than the standard arena. First, as soon as anyone picks up an energy core, your ship's sensors will detect this and paint the target with an obvious mark, so everyone can see who has the core. If you're the one unlucky enough to have the core, then you're going to be treated to slightly reduced visibility as the energy buzzes over your vessel, clouding your canopy. Provided you manage to avoid being blown to bits and make it back to your base with the enemy's energy core, all you need to do to score points is to fly through your core. But you can only do this if your core's energy hasn't been taken by the enemy. If it has, you'll be unable to deposit the enemy's core. It will have to wait until your core is recovered. Of course, if you're in this situation, then the enemy will also be trying to recover their core from you too. Best keep those engines prepped. To recover a stolen core, all you need to do is to take out the enemy that's carrying it. Once the enemy is down, the core will remain floating in space at the spot where they died for approximately 30 seconds, where it can be picked up and either returned by an ally, or it can be picked up and stolen by the enemy. As long as you can keep your core out of the enemy's hands, but you can retrieve their core and return it to your base, you'll be awarded all of that glory, honor, and those all-important points. The game ends after one team has scored 5 captures or 20 minutes have passed. Unlike regular arenas, killing the enemy doesn't further your team's progression towards victory, and instead only capturing the chorus count. You can take out as many pilots as you like, but they'll keep respawning and you won't actually be doing anything helpful for your team. The best thing that you as a player can do, aside from trying to capture and return the core, is to keep close to your core-carrying allies, and to take out anyone you see with your core. With Capture the Core being more tactical than just a simple pew-pew fest, your choice of ship is important. Although the teams are randomized, you'll be of much more use to any team you end up on by playing to your strengths. If you're a crack shot, then break out the Hornet. Start taking out the core carriers. If you're not much of a fighter, then hop into the seat of a 300i and race your way to the cores and back again. Oh, and remember, weapon and shield balances are just as important. Take some time to become familiar with your UI and divert power accordingly. And that's everything that we know about Capture the Core. Now, you might be wondering what happened to the ship bar that we ran last week, and this is a very good question because I was kind of wondering that as well. But fear not, we will bring you the results of that poll next week. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore some sit or sib taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! From our show post at guardfrequency.com, Dilek says... Ask, and ye shall receive. He is, of course, referring to this that you can hear right now, which is the Imperial March played on a banjo. He then goes on to say, Awesome podcast, and guys, excellent work. It was, as always, very informative and enjoyable. Why, thank you. Sean Newboy wrote, Wonderful show, everyone. Only the rich teens should have ships. If they all did, you would not want to be anywhere near the big systems. Too much traffic. 
I think he was referring to our comments a couple weeks ago on the... Blading controversy. Ah, blading. That's what it was, yes. Blading, yes. The scourge of blading. Yeah, probably. You know, uh, we're about to do back to school here. When the high school gets back in session, commuting in the morning and about 3.30 or uh, between 3.30 and 5 in the afternoon becomes terrible because all the teenagers are back in their cars uh, going to school and, and going home from school. So, yeah, I'm totally with you, Sean Newboy. Totally with you. Osteron writes in and says, Hey guys, great show as usual. Regarding Tony's gripe about artificial gravity being selective in Star Citizen, in other sci-fi universes where there are G-forces present but artificial gravity is a thing, two common excuses seem to be, the first is a matter of scale, either the gravity controls or the power plant to run them have to be a certain size, so smaller ships don't have room. The second is reaction time, i.e. the gravity systems can't react fast enough to extreme changes in inertia. Eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, but... Still, if you're going to have inertial things and gravity things, at least make these excuses for us. Tell us why that can't be a thing. Regarding blading, I definitely think it would be a rich kid's game and it would make news due to issues of scale. Some rich families today allow their teenage children to travel abroad unaccompanied, which would involve documentation and travel on, if not use of, a vehicle. If you assume only the richest 1% of the population, we're still talking about tens, if not hundreds of millions of kids that could potentially have access to ships. Even if only 1% of them are trying blading, that's still a good million or few hundred thousand of potential bladers. Okay, I like your math. I'm good with that. You guys good with that? Well, I realize I was the one defending this in the last episode, but like it was rightly pointed out, yes, it's it's still only a few hundred thousand of them, but that's not a few hundred thousand war zones for them to go to individually. Are they all queuing at the jump point waiting to go through? What's, what's happening here? Yeah, listening to their loud rock music blaring through their open space windows. Yeah, probably, as teenagers <laughs> do. Glad I never was lawn. one. <laughs> From the RSI forum post, Ranger XML writes in and says, The teens doing stupid stuff for prestige with blading reminds me of counting coup. This kind of stuff has been going on for centuries. And when you ask how do kids get their hands on spaceships, I keep being told stories from my father and his friends about stealing cars and going on joyrides. He then goes on to say, as for the 890 jump thing, again, proof that they can create such various ship styles for various tastes. Yeah, and again, I agree. I still want one. And from our email, squawk at guardfrequency.com, Krell corresponds with, just a suggestion, I would either do the community feedback topic at the very end of the show, or at least reiterate it after you do the feedback section itself. You get more responses that way. Mm, no. Okay. No, no, we're going to do it. No, no, <laughs> okay. you're wrong. Overturned. Yeah, it's no, it's it's good. I think we just need to try and find a way to stick it in so that it has a natural flow. Because right now, I'm not going to lie, this one is just crowbarred under the end of the episode. So it's proof that we do take your feedback on board. We might not execute it in the best manner, but we definitely take it on board. And from our Guard Frequency Facebook page, Brian Valdez-Castleman posted, Star Citizen seems to be blatantly pulling from other games and genres in a giant homage. The Carrick is pretty close as an analog to the Star Wars Carrick Cruiser, which was created to handle anti-fighter operations. Shiv says, and he replied to him on the Facebook page, Star Citizen will be held together with duct tape and homages. I think anything in the game that can be an homage will be an homage. And Brian replies, I think you're spot on, although I admit the concept bothers me. Star Citizen has the opportunity to leave its mark on sci-fi as a whole. As such, it feels lazy and cheap to pull from so many other IPs and ultimately breaks immersion. All right, you two, stop it. Okay, just cut it out. It's even nerdier than either of you think. A Karak is the name for the very first class of ship designed for long-range ocean exploration. Think 1300s Portuguese Navy, okay? 
a long time ago in an ocean far, far away, about a thousand miles south of Lenin. From Twitter, Ken from Chicago, quote, I was just chilling at nowhere when Ronan attacked. I'm stuck in a life pod. Send help. Hashtag God Freak of the Galaxy. Ooh, yeah. I like. I like. I like. <laughs> that was a great movie. Have you guys seen that yet? Oh, yes. Oh, fantastic movie. Very, very, very well done. Because <laughs> if I hadn't seen that movie, it might have gone over my head, but nothing would go over have. my head because my reactions are too fast and I would catch it. Nicely done. Thank you. Smag99 wanted to let everyone know that Wing Commander was free on Origin until 9-2. Oh. Oh. Cross-market much? Huh? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Huh? Permanent Starlight suggested that at Guard Freak plus at Galactic Inquiry equals great combo exclamation mark exclamation mark. Two exclamation two. marks. Yeah. Oh, we had a good time with uh, Michael mm. Viewmaster Moreland on that one. That was good. Yeah, we'll be happy to come back anytime, Mike, if you're listening. And Oblivious 3000 replies to Galactic Inquiry saying, great episode, particularly the Guard Freak discussion. I hope it becomes a regular segment. Keep up the good work. So, how was the show? Are you glad we're back, or do you wish we'd been gone even longer? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and you can subscribe feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just search for us on iTunes. Or you could hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. But before we go, we do want to let you know that Guard Frequency is heading deep into the dev's lair once again as Lennon ventures off to Manchester to meet Aaron Roberts and the team over at Foundry 42. We want to take your questions with us, though. So if you have anything you're dying to find out from the team, whether it's about Squadron 42, the Gladius, some of the capital ships they're working on, or just something you always wanted to find out, let us know, comment on our threads, write us a message, send us an email, do something, and we'll take your questions with us to Manchester. Hey, I think a certain uh, portions of this episode should go to Manchester. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure. You know, uh, Don't worry, I, I took my opportunities there to let Rob Irving know that I wanted my helmsman to double as my security guard as he went back to bake a cake in the baking module, which is a $140 <laughs> million dollar stretch goal. So it's all, I'm sure Lennon will sneak in our, our uh, game designs uh, while he's there. A reminder of our community question, what are your initial thoughts on our CIG News segment? Is there anything you would like to do to change it? Should we just forget the whole thing and jettison out the nearest airlock? Let us know by commenting on this week's show post at guardfrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at robertspaceindustries.com. That brings us to the end of episode 33 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 34 on August 19th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. We're always on the lookout for talented individuals, so if you want to come and flex your podcasting muscles, then we would love to hear from you. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8 p.m. Central. That's Sundays at 2 a.m. GMT. 
We'd like to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Turn to 330, carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. Greetings, Sits and Sibs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 33 and was recorded live on August 9th and made available for download August 12th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm still Tony. I know. Was I supposed to be next? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're G. You're the G would G would be for Jeff. Have I got the right? Okay, now I got the right doc open. Okay, do that again. Beep, beep. I mean, yeah. Well, with this with this new news format, though, guys, seriously, where the f- is the where the f- is the uh, mid- <laughs> <laughs> You almost had it. You almost had it. That was so almost good. Almost had it's it. So good. Uh, we're finally confident enough that we can set that sidewalk. We can set the sidewalk out on the hat, <laughs> or we can set the hat on the sidewalk. But it's nice to get the occasional reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as Lee, as much as Lee love liking it. This is what happens when you take a week off. Who's Lee? I don't know, but why, he loves why watching he love the show. making our show? God I don't know damn who it, he is, he. but he's, he's, <laughs> he's instrumental. It's your UI and divert power accordingly. All right, guys. So have you had a chance to play Capture the Core yet? No. No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. So we have a bit of a community commit question reminder tonight. What are your initial thoughts? Do that again. Community question. See, this is why I don't read these things, right? <clears throat> Wait, you don't read these? No wonder it takes so long to record this show. <laughs> now we ex- now we can explain it. Between the between the gay marriages and the uh, uh, legal cannabis, uh, it's just Washington's <laughs> kind of crowded these days, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, so you're you're getting a lot of uh, you're getting a lot of marijuana dispensaries and antique st- uh, antique shops <laughs> popping up all over the place. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. like like it does say in the Bible, if a man layeth with another man, he must be stoned. Lennon. <laughs> 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 oh, Yep, Lennon. You, you you win the night. Make it make a mic make a mic drop sound. Make a mic drop sound. There it is. Just walk off the stage. You're done. We're done.